Welcome to the Legacy Nashville podcast. We are so grateful that you've taken the time out of your day or night to tune in. We pray that this message encourages you to love God, love people, and change the world. Now, let's get to the message. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. If you're watching this by replay, I am so excited that you are tuned in to Legacy Nashville this beautiful Sunday. It's the Sunday after Easter, and so I hope that you have been celebrating along with our community the resurrection of Jesus Christ, our Savior. I don't know about you, but I am counting down the days. I know we don't know how many days just yet, but I am counting down the days when we can be back together again in the sanctuary, the house of God, as one worshiping Jesus in community as a family. I love you guys. I miss you guys. I'm praying for you often. Thank you so much for logging into the Instagram live prayers and the times that we're putting up online, particularly the Legacy Prayer Room. I hope that has been a blessing to you guys. You know, exiting the Easter holiday and preparing for a new season together as a church, it's always my assignment to dive into the Word of God, to dive into the presence of God, to pray and to spend time with the Holy Spirit so that I can receive fresh bread from heaven to share with our community. Normally, that takes on the form and expression of a sermon series. But I find myself today kind of between Easter and a series. And so I don't actually know what the next series is going to be. We had it all planned out prior to quarantine. We had the Sundays and the speakers scheduled and the sermon titles and all that stuff. But since there's been such a change of pace, we've really tried to lean into prayer and allow the Holy Spirit to address us so that if there's something unique and new that he's saying, we're also saying that and sharing in that. And so that's where we are. Today I'm going to preach Maybe I'm going to process, maybe I'll talk to you for a little bit, somewhat prophetically, and just share with you a little bit of what I'm feeling prior to us completely leaning into a new season. So I'm preoccupied uh, with something in particular, which is following the resurrected Christ. Now, we know because Christ got up out of the grave on the third day, which we celebrated last Sunday, uh, he has allowed each and every one of us through the cross, through the purchase of our lives with his blood to get up out of our grave of sin and shame and decay and a sentence to eternal death. And we've come into new life as a new creation. We're a new person. We've been baptized. We've been redeemed. We've been restored. And now we walk in a new way. And that is, we don't just follow the Jesus of the Bible prior to his crucifixion. We also now follow the Jesus of eternity, of heaven, of the scripture as well, uh, after the resurrection. So what does it look like for us to follow Jesus today, post-Easter, as a new creation? That is what I have been uh, searching the heart of God on throughout this week. I've been praying about that. I'm like, okay, God, what does it look like for us to follow you uh, as a new creation post-resurrection? Have you ever thought about that before? I think so oftentimes we're so preoccupied with Jesus pre-crucifixion, but we're a new creation. So it, it deserves our attention. It deserves uh, our prayerful focus to consider what it looks like for us to follow Jesus post-resurrection. 
So these are the things that I've been thinking about. And let me ask you something. I was actually reminded of this this week, this question that I've always had. Two years ago, I preached a message called The Following. And, and here's basically what I was considering. Is what does it look like for us to really follow the resurrected Jesus Christ within our current cultural context today? If Jesus were to, right where you are today, wherever you are, you, you could be, uh, you're probably in your house, you could be with, at a friend's house maybe, but if, if Jesus were to show up, kind of like your Amazon delivery guy, and, and knock on the door, and you come to the door, and you see that it's Jesus, and Jesus says to you, follow me. Let me ask you a question. How different would your life become if you chose to accept that invitation? If Jesus were to walk through our churches on a Sunday morning and we all showed up and we gathered as normal, but Jesus walked through the altar space, he interrupted the service and he said, church, he called you by name and he said, hey, you, here's an invitation. Here's a commandment. Follow me. The question I have for you is how radically, how drastically different would your life become if you chose to accept that invitation? Are we really following Jesus? Are we really following the resurrected Christ? Post-Easter, we've celebrated his resurrection. We've declared that he is our savior. We've declared that he is our teacher. He is the one in whom we follow, that we passionately pursue, that our hearts, that our lives, that our attitudes are open to. And we're saying, God, address us, correct us, transform us. We're on the potter's wheel. We are the clay. Mold us and make us into whatever you want us to become so that we could become more uh, fitting to be referred to as people created in your image. Um, you know, I've, I've often said it's very interesting the longer that we walk with God, uh, we should be coming more like God. But what's interesting about it is oftentimes with many believers, God becomes more like them rather than they become more like God. And so we have to ask ourselves, church, are we being formed into the image of God or is God being formed into the image of us? And I think Easter is a really good time for us to go on a deep dive in our heart, for us to prophetically consider, for us to really lean in and pray and ask ourselves, are we going to make the shift after Easter into truly following after Jesus with reckless abandon? Are we going to make the shift this Easter of saying this is not a game, this is not a religious practice, this is not some type of exercise that I do because I'm a good moral person? Are we truly going to pursue going after God with everything in us, with our whole hearts, with all of our minds, with all of our souls, with all of our strengths? Are, are we really going to go after God? And I think Easter is a good time to shift to make that happen. So I wanted to ask you to turn in your Bible today to Matthew chapter 4. I, I have been studying this verse of Scripture for a number of years now. If you've been a part of Legacy for a while, you'll remember that we actually uh, talked about a couple of verses of Scripture uh, in Matthew chapter 4 for three months in, I think it was either 2018 or the beginning, it was, I think it was the beginning of 2018. We, we literally examined, uh, let's see here, it was one, one verse of Scripture actually, 4 and 19. We examined one verse of Scripture for three months. And I really enjoyed that. I don't know about you if you were here, but that was very, very significant for me. I think it was very significant for our church. And so what I want to do is I want to try and cram 
a summary of those three months, something that God imprinted upon my heart and the heart of our family in a message here. It's kind of a prophetic message. I, I don't have my laptop. I'm not reading notes today. This is what I felt to do. Now, I do have a water bottle. I, just, I want to let you guys know that, you know, unlike last week, I have some water. I'm not going to have to drink the communion grape juice if I happen to get choked up. That was hilarious. But I want to read from Matthew chapter 4 and just sort of prophetically process today what I feel like God is inviting us into to follow him, the resurrected Savior, post-Easter. Is that okay? Awesome. So Matthew chapter 4, I'm going to start with verse 17. And we're just going to just move through uh, verse 17 all the way to verse 22 and just talk through that today and then we'll pray. All right? So verse 17 says this, Matthew 4, verse 17. It says, from that time, Jesus began to preach saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So let's stop right there just for a moment. This is the very first time that we ever see Jesus Christ preaching, our Savior. Up until this point, we are learning things about Jesus. We are tracking his history his family history, and his childhood. We see that he receives baptism from John the Baptist. We also see that the Father speaks over Jesus long before he's worked any miracles, long before he's preached any messages. And the Father says, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And we have to consider the fact that God said he was proud of his son long before his son had worked any miracles or fulfilled his great God calling. That's a word for somebody today. You need to be reminded of that. It's not about your performance that causes God the Father to take delight in you. It's about the fact that you are his son. You are his daughter, which is completely disconnected than anything you could do with your life for him or for others. God is proud of you. He takes delight in you. He loves you. He speaks identity over you in the same way that he spoke identity over Jesus long before he'd done anything. Now in chapter four of Matthew, the whole chapter kicks off with the temptation of Jesus, right? God speaks identity over Jesus. Jesus then is led by the Holy Spirit he goes out into the wilderness. We know he faces three temptations from the evil one. And each and every one of the temptations is an attempt to reverse the affirmation that the Father had spoken over Jesus in chapter 3, which is, you are my son. Satan comes after his identity. He says, if you really are the son of God, if God did say, isn't that reminiscent of what he said to the first Adam in the garden? If you really are the son, if that really is your identity, if that really is who you are, if you really are secure and safe in the father's love, despite your works, if that's really who you are, then do this. Now we know that Jesus overcomes the temptation and then he begins to preach as we talk about here in verse 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach saying, now for all of you guys out there that want to do ministry, for everybody who wants to preach, for everybody who wants to lead, for everybody who wants to lead worship, okay? It is important that we are seeing the system that God is establishing in the ministry of Jesus, that his identity is secure before he begins his ministry. Now, I want you guys to really catch that. If you long to minister and long to lead, 
it's important. God wants to do the work of identity in your heart before you begin preaching and before you begin ministering. So if we're following the resurrected Jesus today, just know that that's part of the process. That's part of the journey. Before you're empowered and released entirely, God is going to do a deep work in your heart to establish and to confirm that he is proud of you as his son or as his daughter long before you start working miracles. Okay, so if you've been confused, why am I not working miracles? Why am I not being empowered? Why am I not getting opportunities? Ask the Lord today, is there a deeper and greater work that he wants to do in your heart? Does he want to speak affirmation over you before he releases you? Because that's what happened in the life of Jesus. And so we see in verse 17, it says, from that time on, Jesus began to preach. What did he begin to preach? Repent. This is an amazing announcement. And not only is it an announcement, it's not just a sermon, it's a commandment. Like Jesus begins his ministry by telling people that they need to change their mind. Why? Because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This was the assignment that Jesus came from heaven to earth with, which was to announce the arrival and the establishment of the kingdom of God within the kingdom of the earth. Verse 18. Now, this is what I really want you guys to catch today as we talk about following Jesus. Verse 18. It says, uh, while walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me. Now, I want you to catch, that's another commandment. Notice it's not an option or an invitation. It is like an invite in that they could have said no, but he really doesn't give a lot of space for if you feel like it, if you're in a good mood today, if you're doing well at your job. No, he just says, listen, follow me today. Just like the illustration that I uh, covered there as we kicked off. Like if Jesus came to your front door today, knocked on the door, rang the doorbell, was like, follow me, provided you with that commandment, how would you respond? That's a, that's a good question to ask yourself post-Easter. What does Easter mean to you? What, it, what does the reality that Jesus resurrected, what does that mean to you? Are you really following Jesus? He says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And verse 20 says, and immediately they left their nets and they followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee and John, his brother in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them. Verse 22, immediately they left the boat and their father and they followed him. So what I want to do today, church, is I just want to look really at verse 19. And he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. So, Lord, we just pray over the word today. We thank you, God, that you have invited us into a journey of following Jesus. And, Lord, I just pray today that you would instruct us, that you would lead us, that you would guide us in wisdom and in truth so that we might really follow Jesus within the cultural paradigm that we're a part of today. Lord, I pray that we would not just make this about lip service or religion, that this would not just be about community or connection with friends, but God, primarily our lives would be whittled down to one thing, which is to follow Jesus and Jesus alone as our Lord, the resurrected Savior. God, we want to proclaim today that Easter means something to us. Easter means something to me. I take personal responsibility for the gospel that Jesus has resurrected. I take personal responsibility today to follow Jesus as he has asked and commanded us 
to follow him. And I pray that the church would as a whole, that we as a whole, that we as a family would take responsibility for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So let's look at a few things here, shall we? The very first thing that Jesus does when he invites his disciples to follow him is that he invites his disciples into intimacy. All right. If we're if we're taking points, uh, like taking notes and you're making points today, just just write this down as the first point is that the first invitation that God gives you as a follower of Jesus is an invitation is to is is into pure and unfiltered intimacy with Jesus. Just let that settle. You you have to get this is that discipleship begins with a desire. And that is not your desire for Jesus. That is Jesus's desire for you. Your discipleship begins with a desire. And that is not your desire for God. It is God's desire for you. It does not say that Peter became hungry for God. And so he sought Jesus out because he was so passionate about understanding who the Savior is. No, that wasn't the case. Jesus was so passionate for his people that he came searching. He came walking the shoreline of Galilee. He came walking into the church that you attended when you first got saved. He came walking through the place of business where you earn your paycheck. He came walking through the university where you attended school, where you first got saved. He came walking through the individual that testified or witnessed to you, that brought you into the knowledge of the good news, that caused you to surrender yourself to Jesus for the rest of your life. God comes to us first, and we have to understand that the invitation into intimacy begins not with our desire for God, but it begins with God's desire for us. When Jesus said, follow me, church, he is inviting us into unfiltered intimacy with the Savior of the world, Jesus Christ. That's what the disciples were invited into. And that is what you are invited into post-Easter. That's what you're invited into when Jesus looks to you and, and commands you. He says, follow me. Here's the invitation. Intimacy. Intimacy. Church, prophetically, I believe with all of my heart that this truly is to be a season of intimacy. I know the quarantine and the shutdown and all that stuff is just, it can seem so lonely and confusing. But if we will look at it as an opportunity and a gift to receive the invitation from Jesus and to follow him into that beautiful place of intimacy, then this season truly can be a place of connection, encounter, new dreams, resurrected old dreams, new visions, new prophetic words, new instructions, and new invitations into new realms of the spirit that you previously hadn't even thought about before. Because I promise you, despite you being in your house, Jesus is still walking the shoreline of your heart saying, follow me. Follow me. You are invited into intimacy. You are invited into relationship. You are invited into a real, raw, vulnerable, transparent, heart-on-heart, life-on-life relationship with Jesus, the resurrected Savior. That's the invitation for you, church, is into intimacy. And, and I really believe for our church that in this season and in the next, 
we are going to step into greater measures of intimacy with the Lord, uh, with in intimacy with Jesus, and, that, and that's part of the invitation. That's also part of the reason why we've been doing these prayer sets that we've been calling prayer room. We're, we're genuinely going after following Jesus into that place of intimacy. He's paved that path in his own blood. He purchased the key to open the door to connect our hearts to the hearts of the Father through his own blood in the cross. And that's what Easter means for us. It means that we now have the ability to follow Jesus and have intimacy with him. I hope I'm making the point uh, strong today because you have to get this. Is there is nothing holding you back from intimacy with the Lord except for you. You can have as much of the Spirit as you want. You can have as much of God as you want. You can have as much intimacy with Jesus as you want. We have to take personal responsibility to receive this invitation and go after the intimacy of God, not only that we want momentarily, but that we know we need eternally. That is the invitation, church. Intimacy. Follow me. Did Peter know what he was going to be getting into? Did, did Andrew or James or any of these guys, did they know what they were going to be getting into when they said yes to the invitation? Probably not. But they did know that they would be getting into relationship. And so let me ask you, church, if Jesus walked by the house today, Jesus walked through the church today, if Jesus walked the shoreline of your life today and said, follow me, would it change how you do relationship with God, or would your relationship with God stay the same? I have to believe it would be drastically different. I have to believe it would be drastically, drastically different. And so we're choosing uh, to take that invitation today. What does, he say? what does he say next? He says, and I will make you. Now, here, here's the second point. So if you're taking notes, you can write this down. This is an invitation into discipleship, right? Point one. Jesus said, follow me. It was an invitation into intimacy. All right, so remember that. Point two, Jesus said, and I will make you, which is an invitation into discipleship. You have to catch this, church. Jesus takes supreme personal responsibility to make you. Now, I know that's not what the world preaches to us because we are constantly getting hit up on the scroll, right, with courses and books and things that we can buy that promise to make us, that promise to transform us, that promise to shape us, that promise to elevate us, or to be that shortcut or that quick fix that we need to get us to that point of purpose in our lives that we all want to get to. There's all these offers and opportunities that people present, and they're like, hey, you know, buy this right now, this course, buy it. Uh, for three installments of $200 and you're going to fulfill your purpose and walk in your calling and become influential and make tons of money, right? It's like there's always that invitation. And what is that invitation really? It's the invitation for us to make us or for somebody other than Jesus to make us, right? And there's a lot of preaching about personal responsibility for your own transformation. And I get it. It's good. We should all take personal responsibility to do all the work within ourselves that we can to become the type of person that God has called us to be. But long before we do that, and long before we outsource that responsibility to a course, to a book, to a podcast, to a YouTube sermon, or to anybody else on planet Earth, we must give that 
to the Lord. The supreme responsibility on us to be transformed into God's image and to our purpose is on Jesus. Jesus takes supreme responsibility to make you. Isn't that good news? You don't have to make yourself. You don't have to transform yourself. I hope somebody's getting free right now in their living room about this. Like, you do not have to take supreme responsibility for your transformation to ensure that you fulfill your purpose in life. Because that's Jesus' responsibility. And he says that clearly right here in Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. He says, I promise to make you. I promise to transform you. I promise to disciple you, to challenge you, to speak truth, to speak life, to love you when you're hurting. I promise to take the supreme responsibility to ensure that you're able to fulfill your calling. All you have to do is accept my invitation into intimacy. Back to point one. If you will follow me, I will make you. That is the promise that Jesus gives us, church. So if we're not being transformed, if we look no different spiritually than we did three years ago, it begs the question, are you really still following Jesus? Because if you're really following Jesus, if you're really following the resurrected Savior, you're going to be transformed. You're going to be continually transformed to glory, to glory, to glory, to glory. Are you looking more like God? Are you thinking more like Jesus? Has your attitude, uh, you know, changed over the years? Have you become more in love with the things that Jesus is in love with, primarily people? Have you become more kind? Have the, has the fruit of the Spirit developed in your life more and more and more the longer that you've lived for God? Are you really living for God? Are you really following the resurrected Jesus? Or are you just participating in church? Guys, these are very probing questions that we need to allow the Word of God to address our hearts in this season. Because when quarantine is over, we cannot go back to playing church. We cannot go back to life uh, per usual. We cannot go back to apathy and just droning on through religious activity and not seeing the transformation that Jesus promises in the scripture that should happen for anybody who has truly signed on, who has picked up their cross, who has chosen to follow Jesus, who has chosen to walk the path of Jesus, the bloody, crucified, suffering path, but also the glorious, the resurrected, the victorious path of Jesus. This is what the word of God should be our portion. If it is not, you have to ask yourself post-Easter, have I been following? Because if I've been following, God's been transforming. And if I'm the same person I was 10 years ago, have I really been following? Easter's just a great time to hit the reset button, church. Easter's a great time to take stock, to take inventory, to say, have I been following? Because if you've been following, God's been transforming. And if you've not been following, then you need to step out of your boat today. You need to drop your nets, your safety nets. You need to let go of the things that has been holding you back from that unfiltered fellowship. You need to let go of the weights. You need to let go of the sin. You need to let go of the relationships. You need to let go of the jobs. You need to let go of the career that is satisfying your false identity that God never gave you in the first place. You need to let go of the things that God has never put in your hands to carry that have become heavy and caused you to feel weary. And you need to step out of that boat and receive the invitation of Jesus into unfiltered fellowship and intimacy so that he can satisfy the pure longing of your heart so that you can be transformed by his hand into his nature, into his spirit, so that you can fulfill your ultimate purpose. 
Now, what was the ultimate purpose of the disciples? This is such a good question because Jesus gives it to us right here in verse 17. Have you ever met somebody and you've thought to yourself, what is your angle? Like, what do you want from me? Obviously, you have an ulterior motive. You know, I think in Nashville, we kind of have that experience from time to time because this is a city of dreamers. A lot of folks move here from out of town. They're trying to hit it big. They're trying to make it. And so people are trying to network and they're not really doing relationship. They're just trying to trade favors to figure out how they can uh, improve uh, what they want to do with their career, right? And so every now and then we'll have that experience. Like, what's, what's this person's motive, right? Here's what I love about Jesus. Jesus never disguised his motive. Jesus never invited the disciples to follow him uh, because he presented a message that was seven points to success or 10 points to a healthier heart or here's how to get uh, more whole or more healed or more positive thinking or you know, how to become more healthy or how to do better at your job or how to excel in life and win with people. I mean, all those things, those are good principles. And I think the Bible supports a lot of those principles. But Jesus did not start with there because Jesus had no ulterior motives. Jesus came with a very pure motive and he told the disciples from the very first moment that he met them and called them to follow him. He said, listen, if you want to follow me and I want you to follow me, I'm commanding you to follow me. Here's what you're being invited into. Number one, intimacy. So if you don't want intimacy with me, don't follow me. Because guess what? We don't, have a, we don't have places to sleep often, right? We're going we're gonna to be uh, you know, all bunking together out in the wilderness at times, right? We're going to be on boats together. We're going to be around each other, like life on life, very, very close. If you don't want intimacy, don't follow me, right? Number two, if you don't want to be transformed, don't follow me because I'm going to get in your stuff. I'm going to get into your family life. I'm going to get into your heart. I'm going to get into how you feel about influence and ownership. I'm going to get into that uh, personal sense of power that you have, and I'm going to rebuke you, and I'm going to challenge you, and I'm going to transform you. Don't worry. It's going to be good, but it's going to be hard. He doesn't disguise his motives. He tells them that from, from the jump. But what does he say ultimately? Because point one leads us to point three. He says, hey, look, come into intimacy. As you get closer, you're going to be transformed. But ultimately, I have a purpose for you, which is to, for you to be sent out to do the work of God and to co-labor with my spirit. And that is this, verse 17 says. And he said to them, follow me and I will make you, what church? Fishers of men. Fishers of men. Fishers of men. Who have you decided post-Easter to pray for that you know is lost and without Jesus? Who have you decided to fight for in the Spirit? Who have you decided to fish for? Has there been a name? Has there been a person? Have you thought of anybody aside from yourself during quarantine that you might be able to reach out to that might be having a harder time than you because they don't know God? They might be struggling with depression, isolation, loneliness. Maybe they lost their job. Have you thought about them? Have you thought about the opportunity that this might present to share the gospel with them, that they might come home to love and to life and be able to follow Jesus into that intimacy as well? These are real thought-provoking questions that we should allow to confront us post-Easter because it's time for us to get back in touch and in tune with the realities of what it means to be a Christian. Even within our cultural context, what does it mean to follow Jesus, to be transformed by Jesus, and to ultimately be led by the Spirit of God to fish for men, to co-labor in that work? And maybe Peter and, and James, maybe they didn't know what it meant to fish for men, but here's what I guarantee they knew, that they would be working. They were fishermen. They knew fishing was hard work. 
They would spend long hours, great toil out on the water. They would sometimes fish overnight to pull in a harvest, right? We know that Jesus found them and talked to them and helped them. Fishing was hard work. Fishing's still hard work. A commercial fisherman, you're going to work hard. That's what Peter and James were doing. That's what, um, you know, Zebedee, the father here, this was the family business. That's what they were doing. And so even though Jesus presented a concept that may have been somewhat foreign to the fishermen, it was not entirely foreign to them because he presented the concept within a cultural light, which was you're going to be a fisherman. You're fishing for fish now. I'm calling you to myself to be transformed into a fisherman, but not the type of fisherman that you're familiar with, a different kind of fisherman. You're going to fish for men. Peter knew it would be hard work to fish. He didn't think, oh, I'm going to follow this dude around and watch him fish for men and watch him do all the work and watch him uh, share the message of the gospel of the kingdom and watch him heal the sick and watch him work miracles and watch him like shift atmospheres and change entire territories. Peter didn't think he would be an innocent bystander, just somebody sitting around chilling, watching somebody else do the work. No, he, under, he knew, he understood that Jesus was not only calling him, but Jesus was commissioning him, signing him up and inviting him into a life of work and hard work and personal responsibility where he would co-labor with the Spirit of God to bring about the divine plan uh, for all of humanity from God's heart, which was that they come home and that they be a part of this kingdom and that they be a part of the heart of God and that they know exactly what Jesus learned in chapter 3, which was, you are my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. You are my beloved daughter in whom I'm well pleased. It's just like the cycle, right? Like Jesus, he has the affirmation of his identity. He goes on a wilderness. We all, we all go through wildernesses. But ultimately, he has intimacy with God. Ultimately, he's transformed by God. Ultimately, he becomes a fisherman for God. And what happens? He invites other people into that same process to first and foremost hear the Father say, you're my beloved son. You're my beloved daughter in whom I'm well pleased. So have you heard that this Easter church? Have, have you spent any time in the word during quarantine? Have you spent any time in prayer? Have you, have you turned off Netflix long enough to get quiet with God, to listen to that precious whisper? You are a son. You are a daughter. God takes delight in you, takes joy in you. You are desired by Jesus. Jesus didn't come and spend his life showing us what God was like. Being crucified on a cross and resurrecting just so that we could do our normal he did this so that we could be invited into a greater way, into a new way to be human, into a greater way to live. And this is what all of us have been called into, church. We are a people that are willing to listen to the Father speak identity over our hearts and bring healing to our lives. We are a people, legacy family, that will endure the wilderness, will endure the quarantine, will endure the hardship, will endure persecution, We'll endure anything that the enemy throws against us. You know why? Because we know who we are and we know what we've been called to do. And church family, here's where we are now. We're being invited out of the wilderness and we're being invited into intimacy. That's what I feel by the Spirit of God to share with you guys. Like I said, I didn't have notes today. I just, you know, spent some time with the Lord and I felt to reflect back on this passage in Matthew chapter 4. And I hope today 
that there is a renewed sense of following that comes to your home. There is a renewed sense of following that comes to your heart. What does it really look like to drop the nets, get out of the boat, and completely follow God into intimacy, discipleship, and evangelism? Because that's what fishing for men means. Point three, evangelism. We've been invited into evangelism. So I just want to pray over you now. If you feel like you're far from God and like you've been participating in church, but the heart has been far from Him, I just want to give you an opportunity right now to close your eyes and just come home to the Lord and come back to the invitation that He's given you. Come back into intimacy in Jesus' name. Lord, for everybody that's in that place, Lord, I thank you for drawing them back into your heart. I thank you for drawing them back into their purpose, which is first and foremost, intimacy with you. Lord, I pray over our church. I pray for dreams and visions. I pray for encounters. I pray for intimacy. I pray for words spoken. I pray for journal entries written that are so pure, that are undefiled with the love of God. Lord, I pray that we would begin to relinquish all control, that we'd begin to follow you despite the cost, that we'd begin to open our hearts to you so that you might disciple us. Long before any person can disciple us, Lord, we look to you for discipleship. And so we receive that today in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you for highlighting people who are lost and who are without you to our hearts right now that we're called to reach out to and co-labor with you in fishing for them. Lord, we proclaim and declare that this city throughout this situation will come out tried but as gold and they'll come out knowing who they are and they'll step into that God purpose and that God process of having intimacy, of being discipled and becoming evangelist for the kingdom that is here. Church, I love you so much. I'm so grateful for you and I'm so thankful for how um, serious and intentionally you take the gospel and the life of Jesus. I pray blessing over you. I pray strength over you. I pray might over you. I pray healing over you. And I just want you to know I love you and I cannot wait for us to be back together again. Have an amazing first Sunday post-Easter and just prepare your hearts because we're going to buckle in for a journey and really go after what it looks like to follow Jesus in this context. God bless you guys. Thanks for tuning in to the Legacy Nashville podcast. If you'd like to support the ministry, you can do so at LegacyNashville.org forward slash give. If you're listening on iTunes, log into the store and give us a good rating and review. This helps our podcast reach new people with the good news of Jesus Christ. Until next week, love God, love people, and go change the world.